0: Yes, it certainly is. Alida Robinson and Pastor Samuel Chiziketti from Ark Church, and this is Q and A with Samuel. Good afternoon, Samuel.
1: Hello, Alida. How yes. are you going?
0: I'm going really well.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. We
0: have been we've been having a a, a great series um, on the gifts of the Spirit. Yes. And uh, how um, how well how to use them, how to um, understand them, and how yeah. to um, uh, to really be. <clears throat> Uh, understanding that God has not forgotten, that, that these gifts aren't not here, they're still here yes. so um, we always have a bit of an audience online so if there's uh, anybody who wants to join us and see Pastor Samuel in the flesh well not quite, well sort of in the flesh <laughs> through the screen.
1: See his <laughs> grey hair that's
0: it. <laughs> it's grey hair? Oh, he hasn't got that much um, we, you can uh, log on to Samuel Cisicchetti's Facebook page and you will see him there and you'll be able to interact with him if you have any questions as we go along. But Samuel, we, um, we've we covered the, well, you clustered them, didn't you? You said that they were in three clusters. Yes. There's the revelation, the gifts of revelation, which yes. was which was the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Yep. And then we had the power gifts, the doing gifts. So there was faith, healing, and working of miracles, which yes. we finished last week. Mm-hmm. And this week, we've got the last group, which are the speaking gifts, mm-hmm. which are speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, and prophecy.
1: That's exactly right. Uh we've come a long way uh, answering this question about the gift of the spirit and uh you know exploring into what the biblical texts teach uh, about about these gifts. And so as you were beautifully saying there we are into our last cluster uh if you will the the, the vocal gift or the speaking gift. Mm. And um just out of respect for biblical texts for God's word yeah, I'm going to go back to the text again so that we can read uh, what Scripture says uh, here. We in First Corinthians, chapter twelve. I'm just going to start from verse seven. And now, each to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given uh, through the Spirit the word of wisdom; to another, of knowledge, by the means of the same Spirit; uh, to another, faith, by the same Spirit; to another. Uh, gifts of healing by the same spirit uh, to another uh, waking of miracles uh, to another prophecy to another uh, discernment of spirits to another speaking in tongues and uh, to still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and it gives them to each one just as yes. it determines. Yes. And so we have therefore come to uh, the, last, the last bit there, we look, we're looking at prophecy, uh, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm going to start to preface this particular uh, set, which is going to start with, uh, with prophecies, uh, by uh, making sure that uh, we read some of the things that Apostle Paul said at the very beginning of his introduction of the chapter. And his apostle Paul starts, he starts now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I know I, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Mm-hmm. The apostle starts here to make the difference between the God revealed in Jesus, the Creator of the, the heaven and earth. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, the true revelation of God uh, to humanity. And he wants to delineate or demarcate the difference between other God and this God. And guess what he say, He does? He says the order were mute idols. Yes. As to say, the God we worship speaks. Yes. <laughs> this is a speaking God. Mm. All right. God speaks. If you go and read Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the Bible says that God in the past, let me read that uh, very quickly, in the past God spoke to our forefathers through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the word of his power. Mm-hmm. So, you can see that the God of the Bible is a speaking God. Let's just settle that. And having said that, therefore, when you look at the speaking gifts, and as Apostle Paul to highlight uh, the gifts of the Spirit, you want to make sure that we come to settle the idea that God does speak. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that he has uh, spoken to us through scriptures. OK, the scriptures uh, is the means by which God has spoken to us. So you've got uh, God has spoken to us uh, through general revelation. So you look at creation, you can understand God through your know, general revelation, which is, you know, creation as it is. You know, creation declares the glory of God. And the second way, as we know, God has spoken to us through his living word. His living word, that's Jesus himself. Yes. Living words. And then finally, God has spoken to us through the written word, the revelation of Christ as it was written by the apostles. But as you cruise and so the Old Testament and the New Testament is you know I've got the bulk of the written word. But as you cruise through the Old Testament, uh, through the New Testament, you find out that God is continually spoken, the same way the Holy Spirit would speak. Uh, to people today, or it spoke through the ages, uh, through uh, the New Testament, you know, apart from the written word being there, like the Jews had the Torah, and yet is still spoke through prophets.
0: Yes, that's right. Mm.
1: And So the interaction of God being able to speak to us through uh, a prophecy has been as established as it come. We can't, you know, I can't make that that case, because the Bible makes it so clearly, mm. okay? So, the Bible is a prophetic book. You can see prophecies throughout the Bibles. You know, Moses was considered the greatest prophet of Israel. And so, even when Moses is living, he promised, you know, the, the promise of the Messiah that the Jews had waited for was the promise that God will send you another prophet like me. And so the Jews understood that that was the Messiah was being promised. Remember the interaction between Nathaniel and Andrew uh, is, is going to be informed that they've met Jesus. They inform him that we've met the one Moses promised. Yes, that's right. Hmm. So the Bible is replete with, you know, the prophetic. And let's sort of not define the prophetic uh is is at least within the context of the apostle paul here uh it is the revelation of god you know word given to persons within the church to communicate those words on the behalf of god so the uh the jewish understanding of prophecy was you know navi which is that's the hebrew term navi which means a mouthpiece of god so god speaks To others through the mouth of a person, a given person. Now, there's been a lot of, uh, at least from a you know um, evangelical Protestant point of view, uh, a lot of you know development about talking about the gift of prophecy or even the ministry, the prophetic ministry, by highlighting, pardon me, highlighting that the minister of the prophets, even in the Old Testament, didn't just simply stop to. Being able to say, that says the Lord. Because you get a lot of that. That says the Lord. Mm-hmm. But the ministry of the prophet did also include being able to call the nation to repentance. You know, teaching the nation the ways of God. Warning the nation when the nation was about to go away. So, it was quite a rich ministry, which included the teaching as well. Okay? So, you get two aspects of the prophetic. One is the teaching, which is now has been, you know, the most... uh you know, uh, you know, attached to it. like people. Would, when you start talking about the prophetic now, people are more likely to say, "But it's a teaching ministry." So, it's from an evangelical point of view, we've transformed the teaching ministry into a prophetic ministry, as though. So you go well, if if there is a prophetic ministry, is a teaching ministry, then in which way is the teaching ministry different from the prophetic ministry? Are they amalgamated and becoming something? Well, it is true that the prophetic ministry had a teaching component. Mm. But we can't then by affirming That there is a teaching component Then deny The obvious component Of the declarative word As the person receives it From God and then delivers It to the church mm-hmm. Which is the the context Within which Apostle Paul Is speaking about the gift Within uh, this particular chapter Here talking about the gift of the Spirit. Now uh, Very often you'll find out that As I was saying earlier on, these speaking gifts, there's been a lot of negative rap, negative publicity, if you will. You know, Mm. it is it's called negative press, if you will. (laughs) It's been spoken of as negatively to the point where I am concerned that many churches have actually deliberately, deliberately contravened or disobeyed the word of Scripture. For example, when you start you know, if you go and read uh, First Corinthians chapter 14, Apostle Paul, I'm talking about the gift of prophecy here, Apostle Paul says, follow the way of love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, yearn, pursue spiritual gifts. Uh, these days the church do not. Mm. Church doesn't, uh, some churches don't pursue. It's recognized as it's a Pentecostal phenomenon. Uh, so most evangelical churches, uh, you know, Protestant churches, men, stri- men, 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 men line, if you will, uh, stay away from it. In contravention to the instruction of the apostle that the believers should pursue spiritual gifts, and he goes on to say, especially, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? You will notice that when you read the Isaiah is is a polemic book in the Old Testament. Isaiah is the one the most the book of polemics. Uh, God makes a polemic against all the other you know, divinities uh, or or gods of the ancient Near Eastern. And if you go Isaiah 40, 41, all the way to 46, one of the things that the Lord demarcates himself from all the other gods was his ability to predict the future.
2: Mm.
1: I am the Lord. There is no one. Bring your God. Let them tell us about what shall happen. Then we will see it happen and believe them, the Lord says. So the ability to to pr- proclaim that which was going to come is what makes our God the most amazing God. Otherwise, we become just moralistic. You know, we, we teach morals, we may teach doctrine, but there is the force and the power of the declarative, the prediction. Then, because when God, if God is sovereign, which is most from the Reformed to you know all the rest, the Baptist and the, all the all the, uh, um, the Protestant, no one denies that God has control over the events that happen in human history, Mm. past, present, and future. This is the reason why he can predict, he can say, this shall come to pass. And look at the Bible, Jesus himself predicted. He predicted the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. Jesus predicted his second coming, that the Bible is replete with prophecy. So, the prophetic is the strength of the church. Now, I understand, well, you know, some people have, you know, abused. Yeah, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. But you cannot deny that which the Apostle Paul says. In fact, the Bible says, do not reject prophecy, but discern. So, the church should pursue the prophetic. If a church says, well, no, we don't really want to engage in that space with the prophetic. Uh, and you ask, why? Because they've been abused. I'm like, okay, how? what are you doing? To make sure that you teach that which is proper scripturally, and foil the abuses, so that you have those who are trained properly. So you can find that the prophetic is a very rich, uh, very rich um, thing that the Bible wants us to pursue. Let me quickly look from the New Testament point of view. You can see how uh, you know, the Bible has been very uh, prophetic uh, in in that sense. We can start from when the Holy Ghost. Arrives yes uh, in Act chapter two verse seventeen, Peter himself tells the people who are listening that that which you see right here is a result of a prophecy. Yeah, you know um, it was prophesied by Joel chapter two verse twenty eight, and so it was a fulfillment prophecy there. If you move very quickly and get to let's say Act of the Apostle chapter eleven verse twenty eight, uh, you find that there was a prophet in the New Testament called Agabus. Agabus prophesied. And I'm going to read verse 28. Just be with me very, very quickly. Um, Let's see if I can. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Some prophets, many of them Mm. had come to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And then look at look at um, uh, Luke's editorializing. This happened during the reign of Claudius. So the, what he predicted happened. Yeah, and he was a prophet. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help to brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending the gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Mm. So you have already here. This is not an apostle. He's just a prophet. The New Testament in Agabus a prophet. Yes, and he predicted, and what he predicted came to pass. If, if we go to Acts chapter thirteen, here's what the Scripture says very quickly here. And we're going to read that one and, and and pause. In the church of Antioch at Antioch, they were prophets and teachers. Mm. The New Testament doesn't say that they were not prophets. No. Prophets were there. Yeah. Okay. Just just keep that as a thought. Yes, we will keep that as a thought. (laughs) We'll just have a
0: listen to now. It's Stephen Van Holland with I Know. He
3: gave me life when I had no chance. He gave me hope. By my circumstance, you gave me peace when I was on my knees, desperately searching, searching for an answer to heal my broken heart and take away all my scars.
0: control <laughs> 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 we were clapping along in the studio to that one what a, great, uh, what a great song to the
1: tunes. yes
0: now samuel before uh, before that great song yes um one of the things you were saying is that uh, often the church uh, now the modern church doesn't really um uh, encourage the gifts because yeah. Um, because there is a a possibility that things can be abused and we're talking particularly about prophecy. But when you look at all the gifts you know, anybody can abuse any one of these oh, yes. They can pretend to be wise, they can yeah. pretend to have a word of knowledge, they can yeah. pretend to have all of that sort of stuff. They can and come to be a great
1: teacher and then still make a lot of mistakes. Exactly.
0: So, so um, you know, just to pick out one of these yeah. and say, well, this no longer applies, yeah. um, simply because people make mistakes. I, yeah. One of the things I do love about Ark Church is that uh, you can fail forward. Easy. So when you're, when, as you encourage all of us to do, is to practice yes. the things that God gives us and yeah. to, to become Come attuned with the voice of God, yeah. so that we know what um, we can recognise it from other voices that we might be listening to. Yeah. Um, it's really good to do that in a safe place yes. where you've got people that know yep. what they are, what they are, are doing, and have have that gift of discernment, yes. so that they can guide you yep. um, into the gifting that God has given you so that you can really sharpen that skill, which is what a good teacher and a good mentor would do that's anyway.
1: Ex- that's exactly what we do. Yeah. Like, think about when people come to Christ and they're newborn. You know, you, you know it's the discipling process is like when you're raising children. Mm. You know, it, it is, nobody comes in, in the Lord and they know everything. I mean, anybody who's a mature Christian now who said when they were born again, they were just mature straight away, that they never went through the process of learning. You know, you start with milk, then you go, you know, solid food and so on and so forth. I think we need to just be a lot careful with, with the level of sometimes what what I would say, you know, it, it's an unintentional pride, you know, you know the, 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 the starting point of, you I know, can't make mistakes. can't let people around us make mistakes. Well, God is big enough, Jesus let the disciples make mistakes. Exactly, exactly. You know, they, they, they try to cast out demons, and they failed, and he told them they failed. Yeah. And then he went ahead to teach them how it should be done. They had some infighting between themselves, and then he took that as a teachable moment for them. So, you know, the Bible is, is very, very strong about this. When you read, uh, you know, I was reading, actually, the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you read from verse 19... Verse twenty-two, but I'm just going to read verse nineteen. Uh, it says, "Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt." Mm. Now, this is this is this is the NIV I'm reading. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. When you enter a church, where prophecies are not even allowed anymore. Yeah, when we've gone as far as the Bible says, don't treat them with contempt. Which is, you can have them still happening and treat them with contempt. But it's one step too far to go. We don't even want to hear about prophecies here. Yeah. And so, you know, don't treat prophecy with contempt, but test them. If you say test them, because he knows we've got the tool to do so, you've got the scripture. You know that the Holy Spirit is not going to speak outside the bound of Scripture. If anything, I emphasize at the church that I want every child of God to be able to read Scripture properly, mm. to know how to analyze it, to understand it. And so it is the reason why, you know, at our church we don't have that sort of, you know, contrived unity where if you had a bit of a disagreement in a reading of Scripture, just say nothing in case you offend your pastor. No, we, we don't. We don't do stuff. Now like, we offend you all the time. Exactly. Go <laughs> for it and tell me that. No, no, no. Yeah. Pastor, I read this, I think the way you've read this doesn't seem right. And I'm going to go, okay, what are the principle, hermeneutical mm. principle you've used? Yeah. And how did you, like Jesus used to, to, to the Pharisees, what does scripture say and how did you read it? Yeah. So I want to know, how did you read it? So we can all humble ourselves between, before scripture and we can read it. And if I'm mistaken in my reading of scripture, of course I'm mistaken. So in that sense, we have the tools to test scripture and it goes to test prophecy. He goes on hold on to what is good and reject what every kind of evil what we've done is because of every kind of evil we have even rejected what is good we've rejected the gift all together and that is not absolutely kosher now if you go back to uh i wanted to uh, pick up the text that we were reading in the new testament if you go to act of the apostle chapter 21 from verse 8 let me read from verse uh, 7 up you know we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed, this is uh, Luke writing, at Ptolemais, uh, uh, Tule, uh, uh, where we, I don't know if I said it properly, we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist. One of the seven, he had for unmarried or virgin daughters, who prophesied. Mm. You see? So we cannot even say, well, there was no prophecy in the New Testament. It is right there, on and on and on. Um, so you will notice that when you read <laughs> First Corinthians... And it's
0: not just the blokes, it's the girls as well. The
1: girls are prophesying. Mm. And here is what Apostle Paul writes in First Corinthians chapter 14... You know, after we read chapter 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14, in uh, 14, if we read it from verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, I'll get to that, or an interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. By revelations, so if you have a prophecy. Mm. Okay. And you know that if you read that particular chapter, Apostle Paul is correcting the misuse of tongue and emphasizing the benefit of prophecy. Mm. Uh, so he actually said, I would want you all to speak in tongues, but I'd rather you prophesy. Yeah. So we, at this stage with the gift of prophecy, you know, it, it is obvious that the scripture instructs us to pursue the gift of prophecy. And to, but why? It, it may be... Become a, a novel idea today uh, to, you know, some sometimes most evangelical, uh, uh, you know, uh, Christians that prayer is a two way street. Mm. You know, prayer is a dialogue, it's not a monologue. Yes. So we go to God, we talk to Him, and He talks back. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Now, you can say, yeah, You can talk to me through scriptures. That's true. He can talk to you in your heart, too. Mm. You know, it is just in, the, in that same book of Acts of the Apostles, we're reading of chapter 13, where it say uh, we read there that while they were praying and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit said, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work I have. It was spoken right there through the prophetic word, the ministry of Paul and Barnabas and being sent was by prophecy. Mm. Set me apart Barnabas and Paul. So for the work I have for them. So they set them apart, pray for them, lay hands, and send them off. Yeah. So the church of God needs to embrace the gifts of prophecy. Mm. It's being able to receive a word from God and being able to communicate it. And as we were saying, for those who are mature, you need to encourage young believers and those who have discovered the gift early on. be a good coach. Yeah. Teach them how it is used. Teach them scripture and how to navigate the prophetic gift. So that is talking about the gift of prophecy. You know, Navi, you know, the mouthpiece of God. When I was growing up in the ministry earlier on, uh, more than some 20 years ago, uh, more than 20 years ago, now uh, my mentor, which you've met, Alida, um, you know, he would say every prophetic word must have a the contour of scripture it must be it must find its its meaning and explanation and grounding within scripture and it all has to come down to john 316 mm. Why? Because even if the Lord had to rebuke somebody, He rebukes them, so they repent, and then they come to the knowledge of God. So the prophetic is not as... uh, I understand people have used the prophetic today, you know, to get their wishes, you know. Somebody shows up and tells you, I've I've had, uh, you know, my fair share of that. You know, God has told me, you know, do this for me or do that for you. God has told me I should be here. And once they come and they find that there's something little they disagree with, you know, they come back and tell you, God has told me I should leave now. <laughs> Hang on a minute.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, you can't learn anything if you're not exactly prepared to stick around. God has
1: told me that I should come and sit now. You know, you know, I want to be trained by you. Okay, fine. So when they found out that there is something they may disagree with me, it could be theological. You know. It's not part of the sort of te- fundamental tenet of the faith, but it could be a scripture we've read. And you have a point of view, uh, and we've nodded out. You just not it's so strong. You, you see the person come back and tell you, well, the Lord has asked me I should leave. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm like, okay, when, when he said you should come, did he give you how long you were going to be here? Uh, did he say? or Did he say you go there? But when when you find that you have a little bit of a difference of point of view on small some minus minute matters, then you should sometimes something as small as the way to do to do something. Yeah, it was not anything to do with scriptural. It's probably to do with the vision of the church or the leadership style, or just you know to do with the way the pews were set in the church. No, 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 you know. <laughs> so, oh God has told me to leave. So, I understand, I, I, I really understand when people have gotten weary of people who go, God told me, God told me to try to get their way. Yes. And and that is not the way to go. So, but if people were trained properly, then they would, it's not good for anybody to open their mouth to say, God has told me when he hasn't. I remember at View Hill, uh,
0: we got to the point where we asked people who felt they had a prophetic word to write it down, yep. and then it was given to the leadership team, and usually, if it was a word from God, it would be repeated, so it would come from a number of sources, mm-hmm. um, and so you could test it that way, but we had a, a while, <laughs> while there where it got a little bit messy, yeah. and uh, and things had to be done just to uh, curtail some of that.
1: Yes, so mm-hmm. this this happened. Um, now, let's move to the next, uh, next gift within the cluster, which is speaking in tongues. Yes. It is also one of the most controversial these days. That it is. Um, so we're going to look at uh, speaking in tongues. Uh, this is actually, speaking in tongues is one of the brand new, a phenomena that had not happened before in the Old Testament The only you know text you can sort of use it Would be talking about the Tower of Babel Where God gave people different languages To scatter them mm. uh, But there is no other sort of Record in the Old Testament That talks about the phenomena Of the Holy Spirit you know, co- Giving to people to speak uh, all the t- uh, Kind of tongues So this is a new phenomena That starts in Act of the Apostle When you read Act of the Apostle chapter 2 Everybody knows that particular text very well on the day of Pentecost, uh, while they were all of them in the upper room, uh, when the Holy Spirit came, and um, so let me let me read that that text. Uh, so, Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what looked like um, tongues of fire coming to rest upon them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heaven. When they heard this sound, and crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly um, uh, utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galilean? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? You know, there were Persians, Medes, uh, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Frisia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visiting from Rome. They people were hearing them speaking all these—it's quite an, an incredible phenomenon. Mm. Now, someone might say, "Well, okay, well, this this is speaking in tongues. They spoke in languages that other people could hear." I'm going to get, you know, get get back to that. That's true. That's what the texts say. And someone may say, "Well, that they they spoke in in tongues that were for the purpose of you know the amazement of the people who were listening, so that the gospel may be preached. So they were not speaking unintelligible." language. So there was a benefit to the phenomena, okay?
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think sometimes they say that, um, that, that the tongue that was spoken, the, the Lord opened the ears of the people to hear it in their own language so they,
1: they understood what was being said. Yes. Now, one can, uh, can sur- surmise that, but the text, as we read it plainly without se- seeking to add anything, mm. it tells us that people heard them speaking in their tongues, the mother tongue, is because they spoke those tongues. OK, if, if we without complicating anything, let's accept that is the fact that they spoken language that people heard him in that language. So they were speaking those languages in itself. That's quite an amazing phenomena. It takes a long time to learn a language. Okay, yes. yeah. You know, I, I speak six languages and English was the last one I learned and it took me two years. Of dedicated learning, because I was I didn't go to a, a, a training center somewhere. I read the, the Bible and I listened to the radio. I read books by myself. So I, I it took me two years to be able to. My English is not as, as good. You know, I'm still sometimes still a bit hard to catch what I'm saying because of all the rest of my background. But to even get to this point of being able to put a sentence together, it was it took quite a bit of work. So yeah. you don't in a split second like that. Uh, suddenly start to speak a language fluently, and the native people speak French fluently. Uh, I speak Lingala, Swahili, Chiluba, and Kikongo. So, if, if somebody who doesn't, who has never learned French, like yourself, uh, just suddenly start to speak to me French fluently, that would be a miracle. Like, linguistically, Mm. it would be an amazing phenomenon. So, we have here a very amazing phenomenon. Turn with me to Act of the Apostle, chapter 10. And so we will see that Peter is at Cornelius's house and that now when, uh, when you read from verse 44 while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Mm. So this people were believers already. They come with Peter. It's in Cornelius' house. What was the purpose of the speaking in tongues here? If we said that it was for the sake of evangelizing then, we don't seem to see that here. No. Okay? Mm. So he's a speaking in tongues happening just as a phenomena of the Holy Spirit giving people to speak in, in tongue. And the, the believers heard them praising God. Turn with me as we go to Act chapter 19. Here is a you know, Paul is in Ephesus, and uh, when he gets there, he meets disciples. Uh, he asks them, well, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? No, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. What baptism were you baptized? a baptized, baptism of John. He said, all right, oh, come here. you he baptized them in the name of Jesus, and that's done. And then, when you read verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Mm. So right here, it's Paul speaking. There was no Gentiles anywhere. It was it, there's no specific, uh, you know, benefit in them being given to speaking tongues right there, right? Yeah, and so. So we can remove the argument that, that speaking in tongues in act of the apostles was just for the sake of evangelizing the crowd. Mm. And they spoke the language that all these people from Cyrene, from Rome, from, you know, Pamphylia heard. Okay, but these people who were with Paul didn't know to speak in tongues. They spoke the same language as Paul. Mm. Paul talked to them. And in the same way, Peter went to Colinus' house. They talked. So it looks as... And it's, this has become a, a conclusion from either side that the speaking in tongues, there is a speaking in tongues of the language that people can hear and understand, and not a speaking in tongues that the language people don't understand or hear it. Yeah. And so those are the texts we have before we move back into Corinthian to talk about speaking in tongues.
0: All right. So here's uh, Tennille Anita with mercy. Listening to one hundred five point one Life FM Bendigo's positive choice, and we are heading <laughs> into a little deeper into the discussion about yes. speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. That's, that's which is the are. part where we're up to in that's our uh, discussion about the gifts of that's the spirit. Exactly
1: right. Mm. And so as you you start to look through the text, you find that there must have been other reasons why these people spoke in tongues. Mm. Because if the reason that was given primarily in Apostle chapter 2, uh, that it was for the sake of evangelism, we've read the text in Act 10 and the text in Act chapter 19 that don't seem to indicate that any other phenomena of evangelism was happening. Therefore, so they must, of course, otherwise that the Holy Spirit comes on people twice. Now we've seen Act 10, up Act 19, apart from the phenomena in Act 2, and then he gives them to speak in tongues. Why? What do they have to speak in these other tongues? They already spoke either Greek, or they spoke Aramaic uh, or, you know, they could have spoken whatever because Paul communicated with them. And so there was no reason for people in Cornelius' house to start speaking tongues or the people in, you know, in uh, Ephesus to speak in tongues until you start to read the phenomena that is happening in the book, uh, in, in uh, the Corinthian church. Right. Now, I've always said I thank God for the Corinthian church. Why? Because if the Corinthian church didn't make the mess of the phenomena, Paul wouldn't have written about it, and we would be arguing without having scriptural data to back what we're saying right now. So the mess of the Corinthian church became a good tool for us because Paul had to address it. Yeah. Now we know when we start to read Paul. Let's read Act of the Apostles chapter 14. Many people when they read this uh, chapter they think that Paul was just simply beating up speaking in tongues. Let me let me squash that idea in in, in, in the egg if you will. Just squash it before even it pops in anybody's head. Act of the Apostles uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and read verse 39. Therefore my brothers, be eager to prophesy. So we've already talked about prophecy. Let people be eager to prophesy. Let yep. them be eager. And then he goes on. And on top of that, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Mm. Right now, not only is spoken in, speaking in tongues forbidden in some congregation, just... Just speaking it's it's not only frowned upon; you get the it's forbidden theological. You can be kicked out, excommunicated. I've I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, my father-in-law, mother-in-law had, uh, you know, they gave their life to Christ and they were in a you know, manline, you know, traditional church, uh, and then then they got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they start speaking in tongues and they got told to leave. Mm-hmm yeah leave no 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 this okay. doesn't it's it's though it's though it's 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 an unscriptural thing
0: yeah
1: it's though it's anathema but that is in contravention contravention to what the bible teaches here yeah apostle paul said to the corinthian church do not forbid it mm. you know let people be eager to prophesy don't forbid it so in other words let it be done orderly you remember when we talked, we read chapter uh, verse 26 he said well what shall we do when we come in let things be done orderly. Mm. So don't forbid it. Let's be done orderly. Someone said, okay, well, we're okay with speaking in tongues. Okay, well, do you pray for people in the, in the church in their hands so that they will receive the gifts and speak in tongues? Do you teach them that they should speak in in, in tongues properly? Uh, you know, which way? Here is uh, Apostle Paul gives us the purpose, apart from what we saw in um, in uh, Acts chapter 2, in First Corinthians, when you read from uh, verse 2. Apostle Paul says for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to man but to God. Mm. It seems like it is not forbidden to speak in tongues to God. No, He goes on to say, indeed, no one understands him. So there are times when people spoken in tongues and people didn't understand them at all. And because what? He utters mystery with his spirit. Yeah. So he's speaking to God. God gets it. The person who's and, and, and the person who's speaking in tongues may or may not understand it. Mm. Uh, here is uh, verse 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. My mind doesn't understand what I'm saying. Mm. Let me pause there to try to uh, clarify something. What has happened, especially, I, I would say I've seen this phenomenon pretty much in the Western church mostly. Um, is the fact that we have become so, you know, um, you know, convinced about our conscious mind that we've come, you know, to a conclusion which is, I think is an unreasonable conclusion that if I don't understand something, it means it has no meaning. Let me say that again: if I don't understand it, it means it has no meaning. Well, no, that's not correct, especially in terms of languages. Okay. Well, for example, here I am. I do speak six languages. Let's say I can give you something to say right now or later. And you can say it on, on the radio. Yeah. Are you, are you happy if I did that? Yeah. Can you say, Vijimokulu? Vidi. Vidi. Mokulu. Mokulu. Mawesia. Maweja. Nangila. Nangila. Yeah. You see what I've just said? Do you yeah. understand what I've said? No. Have you said it? Yes. Yes. Does it mean it does have any meaning? No, it, somebody knows it what it means. Obviously, is a meaning. Yeah, I know what it means. Exactly, it means the Lord, the Almighty God, in Chiluba, which is my native tongue. Mm-hmm. So, think about it this way: the fact that you don't understand what the sound itself. I watched. I watched John MacArthur laughing at people who were speaking in terms of, oh, You're just making, you know, you know, nonsensical sounds. Well, what I've just said to you here would have been nonsensical mm. if I didn't tell you what it means. But you saying it doesn't mean you were saying nonsense. No. Okay? Uh, I could say a word of French here. Now, because you know French, you may say, okay, I have a sense of what that sound is. Uh, but if you don't know what it is, it doesn't mean it doesn't have any sound. Mm. Let me try to see, for example, uh, the let's talk about speaking in tongues in church. Okay? Okay. Um, if people were inside a church and it's, you know, it seems as though Apostle Paul forbade speaking in tongues in the church all across the board, I think and we, through the reading of the text, this is not correct. Apostle Paul, what he was writing here is something very, very, uh, it makes a lot of sense when you listen to it or you read it charitably. Mm. You see, if, if I stood in the church and I was asked to pray and everybody is listening to my prayer to say amen, and I started to pray in Chiluba, and I said all that and I said amen. And you English speakers are sitting there, well, you heard me make sounds, but you did not know what I was saying. Mm. Doesn't it look odd to you that I would be saying things that you can't say amen to? Yeah. Even though, even if I knew what I'm saying, I need to therefore be able to interpret what I'm saying to you so that then you can have the understanding and you can say amen. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. So the prayer that is offered in the church by one person, when everybody else is listening, the Apostle Paul say, you could be, you could, well, you may, you know, verse, verse 17, you may be giving thanks well enough. But the older man is not edified. They don't understand you. If you are speaking in tongues, you may, like I was saying right now, I'm saying God is amazing. He's great. He's the creator. And and, and uh, I could be saying all that. It's well enough. But you can't understand it. Mm. How are you going to say amen? Because yeah. you're depending on my prayer as well as you're listening to me. See, that is what was wrong with the Corinthian church.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, think about it. If the Corinthian church was a multicultural church, all right? Yeah. Like today, you can have a multicultural. If I go to, let's say, I go to a church where there are all English speaking people there. And, you know, I know a little bit of English. I speak a bit, a bit more. But if they say I spoke just a little bit of English, but I could only speak French a lot more with fluency and I could speak Lingala or Chulubo with fluency. We get in the church, it's a worship time and everybody's, the song is singing and, you know, I, I, I want to burst in my heart. You know, I'm sure it's not forbidden inside the church for me to, while the worship is going for me to say, oh, Lord, you're so good. Father, you're so amazing. You know, your grace has been poured toward me. You know, Christ's death on the cross has redeemed me. If I started to burst with words like that in a crowd of say, 200 people, and the music is playing at the front, and I'm in the back here, and I'm just simply popping out, and I'm saying to the in English would it be okay for somebody to come and tap me on the shoulder and say brother shh, would you please shut up would that be okay is that what churches do no uh, would that be okay for church to uh, and for somebody in the church to say no no here you just sing and when somebody gets at the front and pray that's it you are not allowed to burst in your heart with any prayer whatsoever mm. i'm sure that that would be very extreme okay And I don't think that any good theologian, any Christian would say that that's okay to do. People are free in the church of God to pray. Now, so that's if I'm praying in English. What if I was from a diverse background and my English wasn't very good? Mm. Now, I want to actually, right now, if I rate my language, you know, French is the most proficient for me. Mm. Then Chiluba is the second most proficient. Lingala is the third most proficient. And then um, I'd say uh, English comes number four, then Swahili and the Kikongo comes last. So if I wanted to burst into praise and I'm in an English speaking church, uh, but I wanted to pray in French. Because that's the way I would I'm not I'm not praying with anyone else. I'm not praying so that everybody else can say Amen. Yeah. But I'm praying just I'm speaking to God me. I'm speaking to God. Is that a problem? No. Well no, I wouldn't have thought so. Mm. I'm speaking in the language that all the people around me don't understand. Yes. Would they come and say, "Brother, here, unless you speak in French, don't in English, don't you dare speak"? Pray to God for yourself.
2: Mm.
1: Pray to God for yourself in any other language. Mm. It wouldn't make sense, would it? No. So you can see when Apostle Paul is, you know, talking here. He says that the person who speaks in tongues speaks to God. Mm. He speaks to God. And unless your tongue is a prayer you're putting up at the front where everybody else is, depending on your prayer, to be edified, then it is good for you to... If I spoke in French while I'm praying for you all to hear me, then I will have to say, this is what I said in my prayer. That is interpreting. Mm. Okay? I'm translating, actually. I'm translating for you to understand. Here is what we read in verse 28. Um... When Apostle Paul is talking about how orderly it should be, he says, "So what shall we do? You know, for the you know, we shall, what shall we say, brother? When you come together, everyone has a hymn, a crowd, an instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in tongues two or three at most, three should speak at one time, and someone must interpret." If there is no interpreter, the speaker should be quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Mm. Okay? Yeah. So, th- most churches that do not allow speaking in tongues are asked the que- often asked ask the question, do you therefore pray so the people will be able to speak in tongues? And when they go into their homes, into their house, they can to themselves and to God, they can just bow, burst out into t- in tongues. Well, no. Mm. The church churches that say don't speak in tongues, we say not we don't even want to even if you we heard you now speaking in tongues, you speak at your house, you sort of uh, are okay, yeah, you so if somebody was speaking to God unto themselves, in when Paul say here speak in the church, it is the configuration of First Corinthians fourteen is as I've said, if your prayer involves it's so common sense. If your prayer involves others, make sure that they understand what you're saying. Yes. So in that sense, speaking in tongues is a gift of the Spirit. Now, you find out, let me now give you some of the benefits so that you can you can see. The person who is speaking in tongues, as I was saying earlier on, verse 2, speaks in tongues, uh, speaks to God. Mm. Number, number two, the person who speaks in tongues, edify himself. You know, we're talking about prophecy edifying the church, right? Building up, to edify is to build up. Yeah. Apostle Paul is very clear about that to say, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He doesn't say that don't speak in tongues and don't ever edify yourself. It makes just a difference. Mm. Prophecy does a different thing, and tongues does a different thing, especially when you're speaking to yourself. So it is important to speak in tongues because it edifies, it builds you up. Now, Apostle Paul verse verse 5 says, I would like you all to speak in tongues. Mm, yes. He didn't say, well, I would like you to prophesy and I forbid you from speaking in tongues. Yeah. So he said, I would like you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather you prophesy for the sake of within the church. So that is something to, uh, to maintain. Now, um, it goes on to verse 14. He says, if I speak in tongues, my spirit prays. See, it's it's an interesting thing to be able to speak in tongues and to give the capacity to our spirit to pray. I'm going to sort of add a bit of my commentary here. You see, when we pray, we use our conscious mind, okay? Our conscious mind filter the information, and whatever mood, whatever attitude, wherever we are. You, know, you read, for example, the you know, book of Psalms, and see all sorts of prayer David offers. Some are prayers of despair and bitterness. You know, you know, why have you forsaken me, my Lord? You know, my enemies that are coming after me. And so there is a place sometimes where, you know, people present themselves to God, the prayer is actually not a prayer, it's a complaint. <laughs> yes. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. Let me just simply summarize that. When the apostles waked Jesus up in the boat, they said to him, don't you care, we're dying. <laughs> they, they went to wake him up because they wanted his help. But listen to the way they're saying it. Or could they have said, Lord, we have struggled here so much. We can't do it. We are limited. We need you. Can you help? Mm. But they went. Don't you okay, care? We die. The state, the state of their emotional self, and the state of the consciousness. And, and you could, you, if you heard your own prayers, sometimes you would be, you know, honest enough. Me be included. I'm not saying you Alita, but everybody. Oh
0: no, I whinge. Don't you
1: worry. You know, <laughs> you pray turned into a whinging. <laughs> yeah, so, but you see, when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, and your mind is left out of it. Mm. So, in a way you have an aspect of your prayer life that is just simply God is spirit and your spirit is praying to him and your mind is not involved.
0: So you would think then in that state that you would be praying something that was really, really important.
1: Because you will pray according to the will of the God. The will of God, The exactly. Holy Spirit gave you the... Okay, let me give you a, a, an example in the physical. Let's say, for example, you meet my father and you want to ask him something. My father speaks a bit of English. But I say to you, look, if you want to ask my father this, Ask it to him in Chiluba. Right? Mm. I gave you a few words to say to him. And then you say it to my father. First of all, the fact that you spoke Chiluba to him, it lights him up. M- M- Melissa saw this all the time. My kids do this. this they, when they speak to my father in my mother's tongue, it lights up. He's like, oh, he's, he's excited. Yeah. And so, but also, it basically gets this, uh, uh, the language we speak, the human language you speak, is quite limited in its vocabulary. Mm. Very limited in vocabulary. Yeah, that's true. All right. Yeah. So I'd like to believe. If somebody doesn't believe this, what I believe, that's fine. But I'm saying, if a apostle say the one who speaks in tongues prays to God, his mind doesn't understand. In fact, the utter's mystery, uncovered thing. What's a mystery? Something that is covered that is not uncovered to the mind, but that the Father understands. So, in a way. The Bible has got a strong encouragement for speaking in tongues. See, let's 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 go to verse uh, eighteen. It says, "I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you." Apostle Paul says that mm. that he thanks God. He didn't say, "Oh, I'm not happy at I, I speaking tongues this much." No, he said, "I actually thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you." Yeah. Now while he wanted them to prophesy, but he did thank God that he speaks uh, in tongues more. And then the last verse, which is what we said. Do not forbid speaking in tongues Mm. Let's stop this attitude we have That I think is unscriptural Of frowning upon the phenomena Of the gift of speaking in tongues As much as we frown upon prophecy And also if it's something that you Unsettled, you're not sure about There are other brothers and sisters Who are reading scriptures Who can actually help you Step by step within understanding this Mm. So it's just humility Before scripture, that's all it is That's exactly what it is well, Samuel,
0: that's the end of our program today. So uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to say just quickly before we go?
1: No, I think we, we have, I think, uh, without even going to interpreters of tongue, we've covered it. We've covered it, yes. yeah. So if any of our listeners have got any question, they can shoot it and we'll answer it. But until then, yeah, uh, well, may God well, bless
0: them. <laughs> that's exactly right. So if you do have a question, uh, pop it on to... Um, Our Facebook page is at um, A Reasonable Christianity or Samuel Cisicchetti and we will attempt. Well, no, we won't attempt. We will answer that question at another time. So be blessed. You have been blessed. Go and be a blessing to others.